Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Gold to $400. Or at least that's what Harry Dent thinks. And, and for those of you guys that have followed his work for a while now, or at least seen the title of articles uh, written by him or, or interviews with him, this shouldn't come as any surprise. He's been uber bullish, bullish, bearish, uber bearish on gold for quite some time now in the case of some sort of a global crash. Um, in this video today, I'll be talking about why I don't agree with him, why I don't think gold is going that low at all. And I'll be picking apart his arguments and some, I think, incorrect assumptions that he's making. Also, though, stick around after that. I'll also be talking about the ongoing crisis in Italy. And I'll be rounding this video up talking about what is going on with Tesla and Elon Musk and the SEC's lawsuit against them. A lot of interesting things going on uh, in the markets today, but I do want to start off with this article, which again, this is a common theme coming from Harry Dent, predicting that gold will go very, very low in the case of a global crash. I think basically the argument goes is that we're going to have some sort of a massive amount of deflation and that it will have a crash, not unlike the crash um, during the financial crisis, right? You especially saw this with, with, with like silver. Silver was... What, like $14, $16 an ounce. I don't know what it was you know, in 2008, but by the end of the year and beginning of 2009, it had crashed like below $10, okay? A huge crash. And he's predicting something very similar for gold that is going to crash to at least $700 per ounce or even as low as $400 an ounce. To put that in perspective, gold is, I think, just shy of $1,200 right now. So that's this is a huge crash that we're talking about. Why do I think he's wrong, though? Well, to make it to, to make myself quite clear, in the case of a global crash, this financial crisis or whatever it is, it's it something you have to keep in mind that every crash does look different. Gold and silver have the potential to experience some significant volatility, and on the paper markets, yeah, they could briefly crash. By briefly, it could be a day, it could be a week, it could be a couple months. But not a long-term thing. I don't think those low prices are going to be supported, especially when you consider other things that would be going on at that same time. $400 an ounce, so I think is very low for this short-term crash, even $700 an ounce. If you're looking at where gold is right now, if they crash, and that's, again, an if, because every crisis is different. I I would expect, you know, if the crash were to happen tomorrow, gold would be, uh, certainly, I don't think going under 1000 in such a, a short period. Silver under $12, right? And this is just paper markets, right? Paper markets could only hold the price that low for so long. And that's another problem that I have with this $400 argument is that who's going to be able to sell or who will sell? Who's going to be able to buy gold at $400 an ounce or $700 an ounce? Not very many. I mean, you have, you have to remember that also for silver, this would correspond likely to, I don't know for sure what his take is on silver. Maybe silver wouldn't head down as much as gold. But let's say it does. Well, well, then we're talking like, what, $9 silver? Potentially as low as $5 or $6 silver or something like that? 
Who's going to sell silver at that price? Who's going to mine silver at that price? Um, well, actually, quite a few people probably. But a good share of miners won't. I don't think that's going to be way too low. They're, they're going to throw in the towel. They're going to shut down production because that's going to be far, far under their cost of production. It's not going to be 50% of miners, probably not even a quarter, right? But even 10%, 5%, that's going to be enough to cut off supply to the market, okay? But who's going to be... Who's going to be selling and, and are you going to be able to buy silver? Are you going to be able to buy gold at $700 an ounce, $400 an ounce? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. And that's another thing to mention when, when, since I brought up miners there um, and, and a floor on the price of silver and on gold. Um, I do think that there is one. And yeah, paper markets can go under that floor for a short period of time. But I think this far under that floor is unrealistic. Another aspect of this floor is something that actually Lewis from his channel, Smile Gold. Um, notice I actually made this joke with him recently. Uh, I rarely say his last name because I, I just know I'm going to butcher it. So I just call him Lewis from Smile Gold. Um, I actually made that joke over on a video because I think it was James Anderson from, from Silver Doctors interviewing him, um, which is great that, that he actually came on the channel. And he just referred to him as Lewis because he didn't want to bother butchering his last name. But uh, Lewis from Smile Gold. Um, he, he talks about this floor on the price of gold, not only, I think, because of the cost of production, but also because of China. Because the fact that China produces or mines so much gold, and then they also import gold, right? There are huge gold stackers, even though it's not reflected in their official PBOC, People's Bank of China, um, stockpiles, because they haven't really added to those in a while, or at least publicly. Instead, they've been stacking all this gold in sovereign wealth funds, or other government entities, or, or the wealthy, or even uh, the, the not wealthy citizens have been buying gold, I'm sure, in China. Um, they create a price on uh, a floor on the price of gold. I mean, those are just a couple reasons. Another one, uh, heading into the Great Recession, the financial crisis, both silver and gold had experienced a significant run-up, I mean, especially silver, a significant run-up you know, since you know, 2001, 2002. Um, this time around, let's say the crisis happens tomorrow, let's say it happens a year from now, whatever, uh, silver and gold are not in that same bullish market, right? I mean, silver is, is heading back to, you know, it's, it's not far off of its lows back in the winter 2015, 2016 right? Under $14 an ounce. Uh, gold is under $1,200 an ounce, right? That's far removed from its highs back in, I think, 2012 of like around, what, $2,000 an ounce? Somewhere around that. So it's just totally different. I mean, if you're talking, talking like oversold, overbought, over kind of longer term uh, bear market, bull, bull market cycles, uh, silver and gold are both, I think, very under or um, oversold right now, right? And and to think that, that that momentum can continue, um, I, I would be more so looking for it to reverse in this type of situation, different than what we had last time. That's the other thing is, yes, it's different than last time. This recession, this global crisis, financial crisis, whatever you want to call it, it's going to be different. But I think there's going to be some elements that are going to be the same. Sure, maybe a period of deflation. But the other thing that is going to be the same is that governments and central banks are going to fight it with inflation. I think what's different this time is that they're going to use a much larger dose of inflation to try and stimulate the economy. It's going to be too much. They're going to let inflation run much, much higher than they have in the past. And so uh, that's another thing to keep in mind. That's going to be another, I think, bullish thing for silver and gold. Uh, maybe traders won't see it on a week-to-week, month-to-month basis, but they will. They will. If they see 10% 10, 10 inflation, absolutely. Traders, people like you and I, 
companies, uh, maybe to some extent, uh, wealthy individuals, they're going to head into safe haven assets like silver and gold. So those are just a couple of reasons why I think this $400 prediction is bogus. If not, well, again, will you be able to buy it at that price? And if so, then awesome. I would love to buy gold at $400 an ounce. I would love to buy silver at $10 an ounce, $8, $6 an ounce. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that it's around $14 an ounce personally. So, I mean, it's not necessarily a, a, a losing situation for me because, you know, he thinks that, that they're still going to follow this 30-year commodity cycle that he talks about heading into 2038, 2040. But, but even that I see as eh, kind of bogus. I don't know. He talks about this commodity cycle. And, and I think the reason, part of the reason is, is if you look at, especially the price of silver, you see this huge spike in 20, or sorry, 20, uh, like around 1980, the Hunt Brothers corner into the market, you see this huge spike. And then you see it again roughly 30 years later in 2011, and he thinks, well, it's going to be another 30 years. And it's like, no, I mean, I get it. Sometimes economies operate in cycles, but, but those cycles alone are going to be so disrupted by this crash. It can be so disrupted by the things like 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 uh, massive inflation in strong currencies, never mind the Venezuelan Bolivar, the Argentine Peso, uh, strong currencies like the Euro, the dollar, the yen, etc. Um, and just because we've seen a couple of these cycles, they're, they're 30 year cycles, the world changes. And so I think it's, I don't know, I have a lot of problems with this, but you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Moving on to the next topic, I did want to talk quickly about the crisis in Italy. So basically what's going on is you have two different parties, which usually might be butting heads over this, but they're both kind of anti-establishment. You know, in the past, I've kind of described it as, as like an alt-right and then kind of an alt-left. So an alt-right and then like a, in the U.S. politics, it'd be like a bunch of Trump supporters like the alt-right Trump supporters. And I know some of you guys don't like that term. I don't necessarily like it either, but the alt-right. But um, it, it teamed up with a bunch of, of like Bernie supporters because they're both anti-establishment, at least in theory. Although, again, I don't see Bernie Sanders as anti-establishment. But, okay, that's the idea, okay, that, that maybe the supporters have a bit in common. They don't. They want to buck the trend. Anyways, they're teaming up within Italy. It's, it's the... Um, what is it, the Northern League Alliance, something like that, and then the Five Star Party. I think that's the two ones that are teaming up. And basically, they've they've been in power for quite some time. Now. They've kind of built a, a coalition that they discuss right here, ruling coalition. And so what they're doing right now is they are creating a budget that is really, I think, making the markets nervous because Italy has for a while now, had some major financial issues. And they're really one of the weakest economies, or at least one of the weakest countries within the EU as it stands right now. And so I think a lot of people within the European government uh, structure, the EU as well as Italy, want Italy to impose austerity measures. Essentially, they want them to cut spending potentially raise taxes, but absolutely cut spending or at least, at least stop uh, spending increases at the government level in order to try and reel in this crisis. That's a hugely unpopular technique in many countries. We, we've seen how unpopular it is in places like Spain. I, I think they've imposed austerity, but we're going to see it soon here in Argentina after that IMF bailout. Lots of austerity that will likely occur there. We've seen it in Greece. It's just an unpopular policy. I get it. They have to reel in their GDP, but that's not what their, sorry, GDP deficits, but that's not what they're actually choosing to do right here. Instead, they're actually um, 
racking up the debt. This budget spends more than I think what a lot of people expected. It's not austerity by any means. And that poses a risk to the Italian bond markets because is the government or, or is the market going to be able to digest that much uh, debt, especially as the um, ECB, the European Central Bank, is moving away from quantitative easing. And so what you see here is you see a, a crash in Italian stocks as evidenced right here. Uh, let's see here. This is uh, Italian banks, again, crashing because of this news. This is a bit unexpected. And finally, you see um, this right here, the Italian 10-year yield, their bond market. It's up around all-time highs that we saw back earlier this year, or at least, uh, I don't know if this is all-time highs. We'd have to look longer term chart here. Maybe they've been higher in the past, but but certainly um, in the last you know year, year and a half, uh, let's see how far this back goes, but basically about a year, um, the highest it's been in a year. Uh, only matched by by the spike at the beginning of September and then back in May and June. Okay, and it looks like it's still heading up. Okay, so this is a crisis that has the potential to um, spread. Absolutely, it does have the potential to spread to other countries in Europe. This is, as you can see right here in the stock uh, chart right here for, for Italian banks, not good for Italian banks. And, and we know uh, Italian banks, European banks as a whole, a lot of them are very unhealthy. And so when you start talking about banks crashing, when you start talking about threats to the banks and, and the economies and bond markets and whatnot, you, uh, you start to wonder about contagion. You know, it's, you know, it's early, but, but keep an eye on this type of stuff. And if it continues to spiral out of control, um, action is going to have to be taken. Um, it's, it's, it's almost a, a sure thing. But pay attention to this. Finally, and, and I'll enjoy talking about this, I want to talk about... Elon Musk and Tesla. So for those of you guys that have not been following this, okay, Elon Musk, I'm sure you guys have at least heard his name, CEO of Tesla, very polarizing figure. I'm sure he's a smart dude. I don't know. I, I'm thinking less and less that that's the case, but maybe he's good at some stuff. He's certainly good at being sort of a, a, a um, I don't know, cult leader type figure or, or, or uh, I don't know exactly what you'd call it. He's good at creating hype, I guess. He's good at getting a lot of, of, I think, easily influenceable people to to like him and like his product. I guess I could say that about him, okay? So he's the CEO over, CEO over at Tesla. He's always at the center of controversies, but this one happened, um, well, it was a while ago now, actually. I think during the summer, this past summer, he tweeted out just randomly one day, going uh, public at, four, or considering going public at 420, Meaning four hundred twenty dollars. Okay, um, let's see where where is it? Uh, I don't know if they have the tweet actually on this page. But basically, he says he wants to go to public at four twenty potentially. And by the way, the stock price at the time was well under four hundred twenty dollars. Okay, and so if the gov is the government, if Tesla was going to buy up stocks at four hundred twenty dollars a share, and the share price at the time was three hundred or three fifty or even four hundred, uh, it was well under four hundred I think at the time then people are going to buy it because they know that it's easy profit. If they're going to buy it 350 and they can sell it 420, that's that's money in the bank. That's easy, right? Well, people asked him, you know, like, well, okay, like, is this a sure thing? Do you have funding secured or anything? And he said, yeah, funding secured, right? Like famous last words uh, for, for a company that very well might not be around a year from now. Uh, but he said, yeah, he had funding secured. Well, there's, there's a greater investigation. It turns out that uh, no, not really. He talked with some different firms. He talked with the Saudi Arabian uh, like sovereign wealth fund, some other things, and 
there have been discussions that have taken place, but but no contract, no formal commitments to fund a, a going private deal for Tesla. And so a lot of people were saying, well, that's that's fraud. You can't pump up the stock price by saying that you're going to buy it for 20 um, at an arbitrary number, which, by the way, 420 uh, it obviously has some some uh, relations to um, marijuana, and 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 uh, you know it's kind of a, a famous number there. Um, the SEC said in its complaint that Musk stated that he rounded up the price to 420 dollars because he had recently learned about the number's significance in marijuana culture and thought his girlfriend would find it funny, which admittedly is not a great reason to pick a price. Um, if that's true, that's just hilarious. Not because he picked 420, because like, oh yeah, 420. It's like <laughs> he's trying so hard. He's trying so hard, and yeah, it's, it's just an absolute fail. Um, I like how they even added that he recently learned about the number of significance too. Um, like this isn't something that he's known for years now, or something like that. And I'm not. I don't. I don't smoke weed or anything like that, and yet. I know about it. Most people do. And if he just found out about it, I don't know. It's just humorous to me. But anyways, they sued him, basically said, or filed a lawsuit against him. Basically, it looked like they tried to settle. And let's see here. Um, I'm not sure exactly what was in the settlement, but but it sounds like he tore it up, basically. He said, no, don't want to do that. I think I can win this, even though I think the case against him is, is very strong. Um, and and so they filed a lawsuit, basically said, uh, I think as far as, so far, what they're looking to do is they want to remove him from the board of uh, directors or CEO role or anything like that. Um, so it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if the Department of Justice also pursues charges here. Um, there's already, I think, going to be a class action lawsuit against him because uh, you have to understand that, like, yeah, the stock park price did come down from where it was. But when, when you think about things like the options markets, um, going short or going long Tesla. There were a lot of people that were short Tesla. Tesla is one of those companies that is famously shorted by so many people all the time. And I think eventually it'll pay off for them, honestly. But it's shorted by a lot of people. And so if the price goes up, they're going to lose money on those shorts, especially if they expire over the short term. If they don't, maybe they just sold them at a loss um, for a variety of reasons. But either way, they lost money even though they didn't actually own Tesla stock. Okay, so um, yeah, I thought this was humorous, um, and and I, I'm, a, I'm interested to see where it plays out. You know, I had a viewer actually yesterday um, comment, you know, Tesla investigated or, or sued by SEC. Is this a black swan we're waiting for, or something like that? And it was actually my video talking about black swans. And and you know what? The thoughts occurred to me in the past because I think Tesla is is one of the companies that unless it gets bought out by a larger entity, which you know with with Musk at the helm, I don't think will happen. He'd have to take a back seat if they did something like that or leave the company altogether. But anyways, um, I think it's a company that's heading towards bankruptcy. Their financials are just absolutely horrendous. And their market share, I think, is going to continue to decrease as other people move into the electric space. Anyways, when they collapse, that's going to send shockwaves through the markets, I think. I mean, you have to understand that, that Tesla right now, its valuation is in the ballpark of a company like Ford. Which is insane concerning, I mean, think about it. Even if you live in like Southern California or New York City or, or something like that where, where Teslas are probably a little bit more common than, than where I live. Although I do see a couple of Teslas up here in, in northern-ish uh, Minnesota. Think of how many Fords there are on the road. Think of how many new Fords there are on the road. 
Okay, and and yeah, Ford's you know moving away from cars, and and I'm not a huge fan of the company in the sense that it's 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 the most solid company ever, Ford. But certainly, I think it it has a much larger market share, and I think a larger valuation. I would think than Tesla, and yet they have a similar market cap. So um, that type of, of of collapse could send shockwaves to the markets. Um, you have to think about who owns that stock and who would be losing out on that. The banks that have lended to Tesla in the past that they owe money to what's going to happen as a result of them effectively essentially defaulting on those um debts uh it's it'll be interesting it'll be interesting for sure and is that going to coincide with a recession or is it going to be something that yeah it doesn't cause a recession it's not it's not going to be that big but it could um send some shockwaves i think through through the economy, through the markets, and uh, it'll be interesting to, to watch that play out. And and I gotta say, with with just how how narcissistic Musk is, you know, I I, I a I hope he gets help. Um, I think he's 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 a he's got some mental health issues. I think he very well might struggle with addiction, things like that. And I hope he gets help. But on the other hand, you know, if I also find it hard to to feel pity for him because you know he he's trying to get pity actually in this whole settlement thing talking about how I've always been an honest guy and I've always, I'm like no you haven't you've misled investors I think a lot and it's finally catching up to you so love to hear your thoughts on this video down below in the comment section as always thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for watching this video and God bless.